praise God. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Well, you heard the uh, you heard prophecy this morning, and it's just so interesting um, where God is speaking about His children not hearing His voice, and one of that's one of the things that I've been hearing repeatedly over the last couple of weeks or so is that my children are not hearing me. My children are not hearing me. Um, it is not God's will that we as his children should be just wandering aimlessly and pointless in this life that, we, that we're in. Amen. And uh, a couple of weeks or so back, we talked about voices. We talked about how there are many voices that we hear. And uh, there's the voice of God. There's the voice of self, which oftentimes will sound like God, because the voice of self will most likely, if you're a Christian, be telling you things that are somewhat in line with the Word of God. We heard, we, we heard, we talked about the voice of the devil himself, who would be obviously taking you in another direction. We talked about how you can tell the difference between the voice of God and the voice that would be coming from non-godly sources, and how we can, how we can, can weigh what we're hearing. And... One of the fundamental things about hearing from God and understanding that it is God is recognizing, of course, of course, that the voice is God. A fundamental thing about recognizing a voice is to be able to hear it. Now, you know how hard it is to hear someone if you're in a crowded room and there's 900 people talking back and forth. It's, un, it's quite difficult for you to hear that one particular voice that you're trying to hear. And so it is in our lives. There's so much, there's a cacophony of noises that goes on all around us. So we need to be able to hear God. The fact that God talks to us is somewhat, I should say, the fact whether or not God talks to us, believe it or not, is something that is of debate within the so-called Christian church even. There are some in the Christian church that will say, well, God doesn't speak to us anymore. God stopped talking in Old Testament times or whatever it might be. Well, if God stopped talking to us, then how would God expect us to hear him? And therefore, how would God expect us to follow what he's saying? Okay, then some will come back and argue, well, we've got the written word of God. That is true. We've got the Bible. Okay. What if you are someplace on that proverbial stranded island? You go on a cruise, and God forbid that cruise to the Bahamas gets shipwrecked, and you're on this proverbial stranded island, and you don't have your Bible. Does your communication with God stop simply because you don't have the written word? Okay. So that's a fallacy right there when those would argue well, they, that the only way I hear from God is through the written word of God. Yes, God speaks to you through the Bible, but God talks to you directly if you're willing to listen to him and hear him. Okay? God did not set this construct up that we call Christianity to simply be relying on just the written word of God. Now, I'm not putting down the Bible. I'm not negating its importance at all. But what I'm saying to you is that what about those people that cannot read? What about those people that cannot see? What about those people that do not have Braille Bibles? Okay, God is a real God. And God is able to communicate directly with you if you're willing to listen and hear him. All right. So that's one of the critical things here that we want to discuss today is, is hearing from God and how it is that we, we can get to, to hear from God. Well, it starts with being still. And let's go to Psalms 46. Okay, I can't stand up here and preach anything to you if I can't back it up with the word of God. Amen. One of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 46, and you probably probably know where I'm going, especially after hearing Be Still, the, the song we just heard, Be Still and Know That I Am God. But go to Psalm 46. 
Okay? Psalm 46. And before I get to the main verse, let's go to 1. Psalm 46, verse 1. Okay, Psalm 46, verse 1. We have to always go to the Word of God for backup here. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. So the psalm right away starts out making a statement here that God is your refuge and your strength. He's the, he's the time for you, you know, in a time of trouble. He is the one that you run to for safety and for refuge and also to get strength. You have things going on into your life, in your life, the first place you should run is to God, okay? First you should run into God. Now, after you run to God, then go to verse number 10, Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So underline the part there in particular which says, Be still and know that I am God. If we're going to hear God's voice, and more importantly, benefit from God's voice, We have to learn how to hear God's voice and to be still. But sometimes we need to be still before we can actually hear God's voice. And that's what we want to focus on today, is being still in God, you know. We run around so much, and and we all have priorities in life. But we have to get to the point that we realize that as Christians and children of God, our main priority is to be communion with God, is to be with God, is to get direction from God, is to ask and seek His face and talk to Him every step of the way, See, but we have our priorities mixed up, you know. Why do we even go to church? You know, do we go to church just to fellowship and just to see people and to be popular? Well, yeah, I mean, the Word of God talks about fellowshipping. But the main reason we go to church, it should be, is to worship God. Okay? I go to church, I mean, well, obviously I I go to church to preach. But I mean, but even when I wasn't preaching, I mean, I went to church because sometimes there were things happening in my life. I needed solace. Sometimes I needed guidance for something, you know. I had a a decision to make. There was something going on. And when I went to church, I always found my answers, you see. So, 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 So our priorities need to be where they should be, and that is God first, you know. And coming to church every single Sunday, I pass by, you know, this little lot and things where the kids are out there and the parents have the kids out there playing soccer and so forth. I see the joggers that are running, and I say, my Lord, what if Jesus was to come right now? These people have no idea what's happening in the spiritual realm. They have no idea that heart, that God's heart cries that these people are just so, on a Sunday, so oblivious to his presence. So oblivious that to the fact that God is calling to them. But they'd rather have their youngsters playing, playing soccer. They'd rather be out jogging. They'd rather be catching the sails in J.C. Penney. All right? Than thinking about spending a couple of hours with the Creator. Amen? Amen? So we've got to get our priorities first. And then we've got to learn to be still in order to hear God's voice. And sometimes to hear God's, God's warning. You know, God's warning. One of the things we taught our kids at a young age and whatnot is that when we say stop or we say no, that that means stop or no. Don't, don't stop 15 steps later on down the line because we wanted to get them to the point that when we said stop, that they would stop on the spot because there could be danger. 15 steps down the line could be too late. So we taught our children, we say stop to stop. And it's a learning thing. It doesn't happen automatically. But when God tells us to stop also in our Christian lives, it could be for a good reason that God is saying stop. But if we're not being still enough to hear him, then you don't stop. 
So therefore, you don't see what is happening in your life. You know, there are countless, um, and you get into the occult and satanic things and whatnot, and there are countless ways where these people are trying to prognosticate the future. Everyone wants to know what's happening in the future. All right. Well, we as Christians, we as children of God, we're not looking to be fortune tellers and things like that. All we have to do is to be 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 comfortable in the fact that God has our futures in His hand. Alrighty, and if we want to know where we need to go into the future, to simply ask God. I'm not talking about now. We don't go to God and, and, and treat Him like an astrologer. God is not not at the horoscope, but God God has your life in His hands, and He knows exactly where it is that He wants you to go. But you have to be able to hear Him, and you need to learn to be still and know that He is God. We go to Lamentations, Lamentations chapter three. Okay, Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3, verse 22. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion and my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him and to the soul that seeks him. Please underline, the Lord uh, is good unto them that wait for him. Underline, wait also, and to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Okay? It is good, it is good, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. All right? A good man should hope and wait quietly. What I really, really need to get over to you today is the importance of actually being, being, being quiet. You know? Sometimes we as Christians, we get down on our knees and we just spend countless minutes or maybe even an hour or more crying out to God and simply saying, God, I need, I need, I need. You know, you've heard me say before a little little thing, you know, my name is Jimmy, just gimme, gimme, gimme. You know, all you're doing is crying out for God, gimme, 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 but you don't take time to listen. You know, and the most important thing that I'm trying to stress today out of all the scriptures that we're going to read is that we've got to 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 get to. You know, I'm, I'm giving you some meat today, so I hope you got your good teeth in here, your good teeth, not milk. We need to get as, as Christians to the point that in our prayer time with God, that we learn how to be quiet, okay, and to seek Him. It is in that quiet time that God speaks to you, all right? And I can tell you from personal experience that, that when I'm in that quiet time, after I've praised him, you always you praise God. You know, you go into, into the throne, uh, to the courts of God with praise and so forth. And then after you pray your petitions and whatever, your supplications, then you need to spend time and listen. Just be quiet. Be still. Be still. Literally, stop the chatter. You know, there's a time to talk to God in your prayer life, but then you need to just listen. It is during that quiet time, it is during that quiet time, that you will have such revelations into your life, into things that need to go on, things dealing with the world around you, things dealing with politics, whatever it is that God wants you to hear. All right? But you really need to work at learning how to simply be still and know that He is God. All right? This is where Holy Spirit reveals himself to you. This is where Holy Spirit, at times, according to God's will, will reveal to you the deepest secrets of things that you may be questioning. 
Things that you may not understand that you read in the Bible. Things that you may not understand that's happening in your life. Why all of a sudden someone jumped up and said so and so? Why all of a sudden am, am, am I here in this, in this environment? You need to be able to learn to be still and let Holy Spirit listen to you. This is so critical. This is such an important part of, of, of a Christian's life. Go to the book of Isaiah. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 7. We spend so much time, we spend so much time, um, you know, j- just, j- just running, running, uh, running around. I, I, I call, um, I feel led to say it, so I'm going to say, I, I, I feel led that there are, are, are people, there are Christians that are what, what I would call seekers, okay? They're the seekers. They're seeking God, but they're seeking God all over the planet. Okay? They're picking up, they're going to Africa one day, they're picking up to go here, they're going here, they're going there. Okay? And they're they're not getting their roots because they're the seekers. Okay? Instead of seeking in the one place, which is in your prayer closet, in the quiet time between you and God, simply seeking Him and being still. You don't have to run around all over creation going to every single thing and every single event and every single this and every single that to, to, to seek God. Okay? Because if you're not careful, you'll run to these events and you'll be drawn away into some other things that are not necessarily of God. Alright? If you are starting out and you're being that seeker, now, there are times that where, 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 where God will lead you to different places, all right? But if you get to a place and God is not there, or what is being spoken is not really of God, if you know how to be still and to be quiet, you will hear God tell you, this is not where I am. Amen? And you need to learn to leave, okay? So don't be a seeker so much that you're not seeking God. Okay, because all of this is not about your actions. The whole thing about growing in God, the whole thing about really, really, really knowing God has nothing to do with you trying so hard, working so hard, driving all over the place. Let me go here. Let me go here. Maybe, maybe God is here. Okay, you see? You see? Because the, the, the enemy knows, hope you got your good teeth in, the enemy knows that there are the seekers. And he knows how to draw those people that are seeking God in. And then, and I spoke about this in a couple of sermons ago too, this is where the false prophets hang out. This is where the, the false doctrines groom up, grow up. This is where they start telling you to do all things that are contrary to the word of God. This is where you get drawn into programs. You, you, you donate this, donate this, attend this, attend this. You, you, you know, and, and then they start asking you all sorts of questions. And that's borderline cult when they start really wanting you to tell so much about yourself to join this particular club or to go to this program. And then they're giving you all of these directions and donate this and we take master charge and visa and da 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 da. This is not of God. God's word is free. What did Peter say to the beggar at the gate? He said, silver and gold, I have none. But that which I have, I give to you freely. He had the word of God. The word of God is free. 
You know? So when you're out there doing the seeking thing, watch out what's going on. Because that not necessarily is bringing you to where God wants you to be. So in the final analysis, the way to seek God is in that quiet time. Be still and know that I am God. Don't get caught up in all of the, the fluff. It starts with you and God. It starts with you and God. Um, did we read? No, we didn't read Isaiah, did we? Isaiah 7, 1 through 9. And it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that, uh, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved, and the heart of, the, of his people, as the tree of the wood are moved with the wind. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and Shijashub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field, and say unto him, Take heed and be quiet, underline. Take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. Underline that too. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. For the two tails of, the, of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and of the son of Ramalia. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramalia have taken evil counsel against thee, saying... You see what's happening here? And the son of Ramalia have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabio. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. Underline, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, the head of Damascus is Rezin. And within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it not be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramalia's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Please underline, if you will not believe, surely you will not be established. What's happening here? In a nutshell. They had some issues before them. God said, be quiet and fear not. Take heed, be quiet and fear not. And don't be faint hearted. Then he rolled out to them exactly what was going on. Who was the head and how this army was headed by this and so on and so on and so on. And God laid out the future and told them what was really, really going on. But first God said to be quiet. So, so it is in our lives. You've got things that's going on in your life. Things seem upside down. You're seeking this. You're looking for that. Or you're trying to make a decision. Be still. And let God advise you, all right? You can be praying to God so much. So many times we pray to God, we will spend an hour. You know, some people brag and they boast, oh, I spend one hour before God. And my question is, how much time do you spend listening? Okay? You can go into your prayer closet and spend an hour and a half, two hours, five hours. And if all you're doing is just blah, 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 whether you're speaking in tongues and in the spirit or whether you're praying in English, whatever. You can go, but if you're not taking time to be still and to take heed, then you won't know where the enemy is laid out before you. Do you follow? Okay? Now, obviously, we don't have Syrians chasing us and things like that. But you look at the things that when, when, when there's something really negative going on in your life or there's some opposition from another human being, a situation or whatever it might be, that is, quote, unquote, the enemy, so to speak, that is coming against you, you know? And if you're trying to decide what kind of decisions to make, what you should do, God will tell you step by step down to the nth degree exactly what you should do. Exactly what you should do. Amen? But you won't hear that. If you're not being still enough to hear God. You see? And this is where our prayers go, go, go amiss. 
You know, God says in the word elsewhere, it says that you don't receive because you don't ask. Okay, well, after you ask, then the next thing is, is, is listening. You see? You see? So here we see that the first thing God said was be quiet. Be quiet. Go to Isaiah 30. Isaiah chapter 30. You know, God is looking for you. God is looking to you. The word of God says that he's looking for a remnant. And a remnant, as we know from material cloth, is a part of a cloth. It says that God is looking for a remnant. God's looking for a remnant of people that will truly, truly worship and obey him. Truly. I mean, getting away from the fluff and all the fanfare. Just simply being one-on-one with God. Jesus was God and man. How that works, the Bible doesn't explain. It's probably too complex for us to understand. That's why God didn't talk about it in his word. And that's one of my 20 billion questions that I have for God when I get to heaven. Lord, can you tell me, God, can you tell me, how did you do that? <laughs> okay. The word of God says that God was, God was God, Jesus was God as well as man. But in his humanity, he needed time to pray. He needed time to be still. And the scriptures that said he went off alone, okay? He needed time to be still. When he was in the garden at Gethsemane, before the soldiers came, okay, when he cried out to the Father, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me, if any way possible. However, not my will, but your will. He was alone in that garden. And it wasn't a whole big fanfare. It was a simple, heartfelt prayer, you see? That's where we need to be as Christians, Do you know how powerful the Christian church would be if every single one of us really understood the power and the value of being still before God? Do you know how strong this church would be if every single pastor, every single minister spent some time before they went out to preach and being still with God to hear what is the message, what is it that you're trying to say to your children today? Amen? Instead of preaching something that's on a book over his desk, which he takes out on Saturday. What's tomorrow's day? Oh, October 23rd. Let me see. What is the scripture supposed to say? Oh, okay. The message, the sermon supposed to be on this. Something that's been predicted by somebody of men someplace in the home office for the church. Rather than saying to God, God, what would you have me to preach tomorrow? Amen? Amen? It all starts with us as individuals. Being still before God. Amen. Um, chapter Isaiah 30, um, verse number 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning in rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Please underline. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And you would not. But you said, no, for we will flee upon horses, therefore shall you flee. And we will ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall fall at the rebuke of one, at the rebuke of five shall you flee. Till you be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain, and as an ensign on a hill. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Please in the line, blessed are they all that wait for him. You see? So go back to 15 there, verse 15. It says, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, but you wouldn't wait. You wouldn't be quiet. 
You see? And they went on and decided to do it their own way. They said in verse 16, but you said, no, for we will flee upon horses. And God said, okay, and they will flee after you. You see? So this is us again. God is wanting to tell us what to do, but we won't be quiet enough to hear what God would have us to do. And so that issue that is before you come tomorrow morning or Monday morning, and you're thinking about it right now, instead of being quiet later on today in your prayer time with God and hearing what He has to say, you won't be quiet and you get off Monday morning and you go off and you do all that, all that, whatever it is that your mind came up to do. And what happens is they wind up chasing you. The issues wind up overcoming you, in other words. Okay? All right? So when we have things going on in our lives, again, according to the word of God, God, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So if you want to have confidence in what, be, what uh, lies ahead of you, or what has to take place on Monday morning, or whatever is going on a week from now, two weeks from now, you need to, to realize that I, I need to get some directions here, and the only way I'm going to get these directions is to be quiet and let God talk to me. Okay? You heard the prophecy this morning. God is saying that he's calling to his children, but they're not listening. You won't hear me. See? Because we're too busy. You see? Or, or, or we've got it mixed up, you know, because the church has always taught us that you've got to pray, 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 pray. You, you, you know, well, well, prayer, Christian godly prayer is a two-way thing. It's not us just, you know, blabbering, as I said. It's us talking and praying and then listening. Because that's where the real meat is in this dialogue, if you will. You know? God, God, doesn't, God wants a relationship with you. And a relationship is built on what? Giving and taking. Amen? God could have simply just zapped us, made us a bunch of automatons, a bunch of robots. We walk around, God, we love you, God, we love you, da, 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 and just work. God has the power to do that. But God created us with love. And with that love, he, he, he wants to give us free choice and free will. Amen? We have our children. For those of us that don't have children, you have nephews and nieces, perhaps. And you love them. Amen? And you don't want to beat them into submission where all they do is say, Yes, auntie, yes, uncle, we love you, we love you. We want them to love you because you want them to love us. You want them to love us because they choose to. That's the way it is with God. Okay? But with that relationship comes a dialogue. God says, this is what I want you to do. This is what your life is all about. And you come back at times and you say, Abba, Daddy. You say, Abba, I don't know why. I don't get this. Or, I'm afraid. Or, Abba, you want me to do this, but I'm not equipped. I I don't have that degree. I don't have this. I don't have the years of experience. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And he says, be still. The Father says, I have you at my bosom. Amen? Amen? I will carry you. You all know the footprints, little poem you see on posters. And the guy saw two sets of feet, footprints, and then he saw the one. And he questioned God. Well, all of a sudden, one set of footprints. And God says, yeah, that's because that was the time I was carrying you. Amen? But God wants to carry you too. But you won't know that. You won't know that if you're not hearing him. You know? You won't know that when he's yelling stop and you just keep going ahead. You don't realize that that pier that you're walking on is only six feet long. If you think it's 20 miles and God's telling you to stop and what happens, you walk off that pier. You know, you see, see, because you're not listening. Amen. 
You heard me tell the little joke, if you will, about the guy who falls in the well and he grabs onto the rope and as he's going down, he's slipping down the rope and he gets to the bottom and he's holding on for dear life and he, he can feel there's no more rope left and he's hanging on and he hears the water underneath his feet and everything and, 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 and he cries out, God, help me, and he says, let go. You know, and he, he hears the water and then, God, help me, he says, let go. God pieces a couple of times, and finally the guy lets go, and he drops six inches, and the water's just around his toes. It wasn't deep at all, okay? But he wasn't hearing God, you see? And we go through that in our lives so much. You may never know, or sometimes God reveals to you in that quiet time when you finally decided to listen, the time that you struggle the most, God may reveal to you, you know, I told you back then that you should let go. Oh, I told you back then that you should have done this. I told you back then to cut him loose. I told you back then to cut her loose. I told you back then don't attend this. I told you back then don't go here. You see? And then you'll see in, in reminiscence, you remember, say, gee whiz, you know, I did feel an unction. Because Holy Spirit is talking to you as a child of God. I did feel an unction that I shouldn't have done that. Or I shouldn't have participated in. I shouldn't have believed that. I shouldn't have listened to. You see, retrospectively. But if you had been still and listened to God at the time, imagine what you could have saved. Amen? Imagine you could have saved. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Such words reveal to us the close connection between quietness and faith. They show us what a deep need there is of quietness and as an element of true waiting on God. We ought to have our whole heart turned toward God. We must have it turned away from man. Listen to this. We must have it turned away from man from all that occupies and interests, whether of joy or sorrow. Okay? So you've got to have your, your, your thoughts and, and, and your, your desires and things turned away from man. You have to have your whole heart turned toward God. You see? You see? And this is challenging. It's challenging. I mean, it's challenging for me, too, and I'm behind the pulpit. But I have to make a decision every single minute of the day. Am I going to follow man or am I going to follow, follow God? You know? People invite me to go here, invite me to go there. And I find, well, what's happening there? What's happening there? What's this, that, or the other? And I'll say, no, thank you. God bless you, but I decline. I won't go. I won't go. Because I know that that, that place or wherever it is that they want me to be involved in would not be of God. Or would be something that God would not want me to go to do. Well, if I'm not certain and I'm kind of on the fence and I pray about it, I will certainly hear from Holy Spirit. And he'll say, don't go there. Don't go there. And I don't question why. I don't question why. You know? You know again, it's, it's like being the parent. You know, if my dad told me don't go there, my mom told me don't go there, I didn't go there almost all the time. <laughs> it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I understood but I was just, just like any other kid. I mean, I went when they told me not to, and what were the results? Not good. Amen? Amen? But the point that I'm making here, though, is that we have to get to the point where it's God first. We can't let ourselves be drawn away. Don't become like the seekers who are being, being caught up and go here and go there. What did Jesus say in Scripture? He says that in the end times, he said, there will be people that will say, I am here and I am there. And Jesus said, don't go. Don't go. Just because someone says, well, Jesus, this tremendous event's happening here, or this tremendous thing is going on, or we've got this dynamite thing going on, or the man that speaks here, the woman that speaks here, you let God guide you about going there. Because you don't know what may be waiting for you there. There are so many false prophets, so many false doctrines out there. You know? 
Give me that someone. I, I remember there was some place that I was at and the person was, was uh, preaching. And then he said, okay, uh, what was it? Let's turn to the book of Tobias, I think it was. Turn to the book of Tobias. We know there's no book of Tobias. Okay? He was talking about one of the ancient books of the Apocrypha. We don't, we don't, we don't read that in Scripture. And then he said, oh, 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 I meant, oh, I meant, you know. And that gave me pause. I said, Lord, what's going on? That was the last time I went to that ministry. All right, last time. Okay, you see? So, so, so th- th- there are road signs out there. There are, there are, are, are signs posted on the road that God will put there before you. He'll put them there for you visually to see. He'll put them in your spirit. He, he'll be saying them to you. But if you're so busy that you're not listening, listening for God, you're not waiting on God, you won't hear it. And you'll make the wrong choice. You'll make the wrong decision. Amen? Anything that is not of God that stirs up our fears or stirs up our self-efforts hinders us in our perfect waiting or being still in Him. Anything that is not of God stirs up fears in you. Okay? And if you're sensitive enough to Holy Spirit and if you're really crying out to God and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing, you'll sense those things. You'll sense it in your spirit that this is a place that I do not need to be. God is a being of such infinite greatness and glory and sometimes we can become distant from Him, so distant that it requires our whole heart and desires to be still set upon him in order to be still and know and receive him. Alright? See, we can become distant from God. It's not that God is becoming distant from you. Amen? But we can become so distant from God that it really takes an effort for us to really, really be still. You know? You know, there's sometimes where we get so caught up in just doing our own thing. You know, work, family, friends, whatever it is that's going on, that we wind up, oh, I'll pray later, I'll pray later, I'll pray later, I'll pray later, and it never really happens. And you wind up distancing yourself from God. Not that God is gone anyplace. You know, it's like me standing still, standing firm here, and, I'm, and all of a sudden these chairs, you know, just all of a sudden drifting back, drifting back, drifting back. I haven't gone any place, but the chairs with you in them have. Well, so it is with our lives if we aren't careful, you see. So then, and, and, and if you're at that place now, and I'm not saying anyone is, but if you're at that place now, when you leave here Sunday, Sunday night, this afternoon, and you decide, well, I'm going to learn to be still with God and know Him, guess what? It's going to take a little more effort. It's going to take a little more effort because you haven't been spending time with Him, you see. But if you're at the place that you have sort of drifted away, and again I say God has not drifted from you, but if, all, if you're at a place where you do want to get to being still with God, depending on, on, on where you've been and how accustomed you are to doing that, it may take a little more effort. But I say to you, though, that the rewards for doing that is, is just unimaginable. The message in the scriptures are being are of deep meaning. Take heed and be quiet. In quietness shall be your strength. It is good that a man should quietly wait. Scripture abundantly testifies how the very thought of God in his majesty and holiness should silence us. You know? You all know that I'm an astronomy buff and not astrology, astronomy. I love things of science and the heavens and things like that. And one of the best ways that I can go to sleep is that in my mind's eye just start picturing the universe, you know, and it's, it's awesomeness and the expanse of it and the fact that God created all of this and he's in total, total, total charge 
of all of this, you know. You know there's no such thing as chaos in the, in the universe, even though some physicists have a neat term to describe this organized chaos, you know. But there's no chaos there. God knows exactly where everything is. Every single neutron star, every single asteroid, God knows where they are. Amen. But, but just the vastness of that, again, brings me to the point of, 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 of understanding or having a feeling for God's holiness and his power, you know. And the fact of you, the fact of God, who is control of all of that power, is saying to you, not only collectively as the church, but saying to you as an individual, that I want to know you. I want you to be still before me so I can tell you the secrets, the mysteries of my word. Okay? The word of God talks about mysteries, you know, but don't forget, what is a mystery? A mystery is only something that is unknown until the time that it's revealed. The word of God told the apostles, the, the disciples there, there at one point, when he was explaining a, a, a parable. He said the mystery for, is not for them to know. Meaning those people who did not know Jesus. It's not for them to know. But it is meant for, to, for it to be revealed to you. You see, you see? So God wants to reveal his deeper mysteries to you as his child. But he will only do that if you really, really want to know him and you're really willing to listen. Amen? Go to Habakkuk. Go to Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2. Praise the living God. Habakkuk 2, verse 18. Okay. What profits the graven image that the maker thereof... I'll wait for everyone to get there. Habakkuk, one of those small books is hard to get your fingers on sometime. Praise the living God. Okay. Praise God. Habakkuk 2, verse number 18. What profits the graven image that the maker thereof has graven it? In other words, what profits the made image that the maker thereof has made it? The molten image and a teacher of lies that the maker of his work trusts therein to make dumb idols. Right. So in other words, you're making these dumb idols, and why are you trusting in them? Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake to the dumb stone, arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Please underline that all the earth keep silence before him. Okay, here we again we see about silence. He's talking about, he's talking about idols and things, you know. And over the eons of time, since the beginnings of time, every single culture has carved, made, poured with molten, you know, uh, uh, metals or whatever, or, or, or took a tree or a rock, and all of a sudden decided this is God. God is saying here, can those molten, can those carved things speak? Can you learn from them? You know? No, you can't. You see? But this is the fallacy. You know? And we in our lives, oh, well, Pastor, I don't worship any idols. I don't do this and that. If you've got things that you're putting before God, you're worshiping an idol. 
You know, the guy that has that beautiful 1957 Chevrolet that he is rebuilding from scratch. He just loves this car. And he's up there working on it from sunrise to sunset. Come Sunday, he's working on that 57 Chevrolet. And he's not going to church. His wife is saying, come on, dear, let's go to church. No, i got to fix the carburetor. He's putting that car before God. So that car is indeed his idol. You see? You see? But that car can't speak to him. It can't give him wisdom. It can't save his life. You see? Right? So that's what this is talking about here. Then in verse 20, But the Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence before him. All right, again, we see the reference to silence. Go to uh, Zephaniah. should be the next book over. Zephaniah uh, chapter 1, verse number 7. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is at hand. For the Lord has prepared uh, a sacrifice. He hath bid his guests. Hold thy peace. Okay, again, peace meaning at rest and still. Go to Zephaniah chapter 2. Okay, maybe it's the next page. Go to verse number... uh, I'm sorry, go to Zechariah. Next book over. Zechariah 2. Okay, Zechariah 2. Zechariah 2, verse number 18. I'm sorry, uh, Zechariah 2, I'm sorry, verse 10. There is no 18. Zechariah 2, verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For lo, I become, I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. Underline, be, be silent. Okay, and again we see the reference to, to peace and to being silent. Okay, we see the reference again to, uh, to peace and being silent. As long as the waiting on God in your eyes, as long as the waiting on God is mainly thought of as a way towards improving your prayer or getting the things that you ask for, the spirit of perfect quietness or stillness will never be obtained. Okay? So in other words, as long as you're thinking that, okay, boy, I just got some meat today. I'm going to chew on this meat. So I'm going to go and be still before God because I want to know about how I can get that new car. Or I want to know how to get so-and-so off my back. Or I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. As long as you're being still before God for that reason, then you're never going to get to the place of obtaining perfect quietness and stillness. All right? Because it's your motivation. Okay, now understand what I'm saying here. When it is seen that being still and waiting for God is in itself unspeakable blessedness, and when you understand that it's one of the highest forms of fellowship with the Holy One, the adoration of Him in His glory, then that's when you'll wind up getting into a state of perfect stillness and God will reveal himself to you. You understand what I'm saying there? Okay. So in other words, while you're getting this gem, you know, this meat today, 
don't go running away from your thinking now. Now that I've learned about being still before God and that's how I'm going to get things and, and whatnot like that. Okay, that's the wrong motivation. The motivation for you for being still and knowing that God is God is because you want to get into perfect, perfect worship of him. You want to get to the point where you perfectly understand who he is. Okay, alrighty. It's having someone in your life that you love. You know? And you want to be with that person, not because of what that person can give you. You just want to be in their presence. Because you love them. Okay? Alright? Even when you're dating, for that matter. I mean, one of the best signs, I mean, going back to when I was young, 150 years ago, you know, but the person that I could sit in a room with when no one else was there and didn't feel compelled to say something. You ever hear that big, that, what do they call it, that, that pregnant silence where you're sitting there and people, you know, they don't know what to say. You feel like you've got to say something on each side. You're just kind of nervous and you're, <laughs> nice day today, you know, or something like that, okay? You know, you know the, the, the best people, you know, male or female for that matter, that I've ever known and felt comfortable with were those people where I didn't feel compelled that I had to say something. And it was like fashion. Okay, so when you get to the place when you're so with God, where you want to be with God, you want to be quiet and know that he is God, simply because God is who he is, not for what he can give you. Okay, when that is your motivation, that's when God will open up and really speak to you. It's it's bringing God into your life um, on a different level. Will God give you what you need? Sure, and I say need. God may not always give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need. God will supply those things. God will give you the insights, but it's your motivation that drives it. Okay? So if you want to be still and know that he is God, you've got to start with the premise that you've got to start with, with the fact that when you're going before God, it's like, God, I really want to know you. I just want to know you, Lord. You know? Touch me. Speak to me. I just want to know you. I just want to know what you're all about. Okay? You know? And when you're at that point, and God knows, again, everything is the Word of God says that God looks at the intents of the heart. That's your intention. And you really, really want to know you. God will open up to you. And He'll reveal things to you and, and open to you secrets that you'll, you'll never, you'll, you'll just won't imagine. The, the, the most profound thing I think that I always get from that, when things are going haywire uh, in my life, is, is, is that when I'm still before God, the stillness that transmits itself to me. Whereas maybe I went into my prayer closet feeling really anxious about something, really driven about something, or just feeling, feeling down. Um, you will find as a child of God, um, the closer you even get to him, that you may have times because the enemy wants to steal your joy. He doesn't want you to steal joy. The enemy will let something come into your life all of a sudden to throw a curveball at you, to, to bring you down for whatever reason might be. And there are times even that you might even feel down and you don't know exactly why, okay? There may be a time that you feel down and you'll take an inventory of your life. Well, the job's going well. The house is going well. The kids are going well. The family's going well. What's left? Why am I feeling so down? Why am I feeling so down, okay? When that happens, that is a time that your spirit needs what I call a recharge, all right? 
Jesus said that I am the vine, okay, and without me you can't exist, you can't, you know, exist without being connected to the vine. That's when you need to reach out, that's where you need to stop what you're doing. When you're just feeling troubled or feeling out of sorts, feeling in some sort of way, as I heard somebody say the other day, which I didn't know what that meant, I'm feeling in some sort of way, I never heard that expression before, but it just means that you're feeling out of sort and you don't know why you're feeling, you know, that's the time for you to go into your prayer closet and need to be still before God. Okay, Because what I have innumerable times found That when that is happening in my life And I've gone through the inventory The job, the family, the kids, the this, the grandchildren that, 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 And everything is, is okay And I'm feeling that So okay Lord, I need a recharge And I just go And after I do my initial praise You know, praise you always go into God's first When you're praying, him, praying to Him by praising Him Amen And then after that And I get to the point where I'm just still just being still. It may take a minute. It may take two minutes. It may take five. It may take ten, fifteen minutes. And just being still. God will reveal to me something that wasn't on my inventory. Something that I didn't even know was about to come down the pike. And something that I didn't even realize was about to go on in my life. And God will say, so and so and so, next week, you're going to get this, or this is going to come to you, or someone's going to say, you know, don't do this, or this is what I want you to do, or whatever. This is the time where you need to learn to be still with God, because God knows everything that is happening in your life, and everything that is about to happen to your life. And God will give you pre-warnings. Especially if it's something to your detriment, God is not going to let you go out there and get hurt. Amen? So again, it's learning to be still, and hearing from God. All right, at every single step of the way. Did we do, uh, we did Zechariah? Yes, we did Zechariah. Okay. But everyone who wants to learn the art of being still before God, in closing here, but everyone who wants to learn the art of being still and waiting on God, remember the lesson to take heed and be quiet, Isaiah 7 4. It is good that a man quietly wait. The key is to make time to be separate from all friends and all duties, all cares and all joys. Times to be still and quiet before God. You know, I speak to people that are in the real estate industry, business, those that are real estate Christians, agents that are Christians. And I said, do you ever think about scheduling an open house on a time other than Sunday? Okay. Saturday. Sunday after church, maybe after church, what is traditionally church times, amen? Allowing people to be still. you got to separate things from your friends, you know? And I've seen innumerable times, too, where people are, you know, oh, pastor, I'm sorry I couldn't make it to church, you know, but so-and-so came and knocked on my door, and so-and-so and so-and-so, and asked me to do this, asked me to do that. Why couldn't you tell them to do that after church? I mean, I never say that to them. Because we all need to learn to go to church for the right reasons. Amen. But what I'm saying to you, and the thing about it is that particular individual, knowing where they are in their spiritual walk, there happened to be a sermon preached that particular day that that person could have used, would have really benefited them, you see. What happened was, though, by listening to her friend, she went off and did whatever she should have did, she's whatever she did, and it pulled her out of church, and at that time there was a message that God wanted her to hear, or she could have benefited by anyway. Okay? Now, does that mean that God can't come back and speak directly to her to give her that message? Yes, God can. All right? But the problem is, though, 
if she's not hearing God's voice enough and not sensitive enough to tell her friend, I'll do that after church, then most likely she's not going to hear God's voice when God is trying to talk to her while she's cooking dinner. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? Alrighty? And you need to make a decision in this life. Is God really first? Or am I going to go here or go there because it's popular to go there? Alright? The things that are popular most likely, most times anyway, are not always of God. Understand what I mean when I say that. I'm talking about things of the world, worldly things. Amen? 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 So you need to take time to not only secure stillness from man in the world, but from self and its energy. You need to take time for, for quietness away from yourself. You know? Ourselves, you know, the Word of God says that we wrestle. You know, we've got this flesh, you know, we're not in heaven yet. So we've got this flesh that rises up that will tell us, you know, this would be more appealing, you know. You know, me and my strawberry shortcake, you know, I walk by that strawberry shortcake in Safeway and, and self is calling to it and self is calling to it. Amen. And, and I have to get to the point where I'm strong and don't listen to self. Amen. Well, there are so many things in our spiritual walks that would distract us away from God because, because the enemy does not want you to achieve what God has for you. The enemy does not want you to succeed in being a strong Christian and growing closer to God. Closer to God, you know. Did you ever stop to think that Every single time the devil looks at you, he sees God. That's why he hates you so much. Stop and think about that. The word of God says that we're made in God's image. Every time the devil looks at you, he sees God. So he hates you. He wants to do away with you. Okay? Alrighty? And when I'm talking about looking at you, you know, I'm not talking about this little flimsy physical facade that we all wear. This tent that we're all in that enables us to get around in this three-dimensional world here on the planet. I'm talking about the real you, which is your spirit, which is made in the image of God. You know, which is made in the image of God. Right? If we really, really even understood that concept better as Christians and children of God, being made in the image of God, there'd be less um, um, racial, ethnic tensions on this planet. Amen? Because how I am made, the real me, if I'm in the image of God, if you're in the image of God, that means that that's your spirit. And what color is a spirit? A spirit is not African American, it's not white, it's not black, it's not Chinese, it's not anything else. A spirit is spirit. So the true me, the true me is a spirit. Amen? So therefore I don't see you as being white, black, green, purple. I see you as a child of God. Satan, when he looks at you, he sees you as a child of God and he sees God and he hates you for that. Amen. So what he, would he do? He would keep you from being still. And, and the things that distract you will be people, places, events, things, and so forth, desires, things that you want. Amen. So if you focus on that first, then everything else will come into play. Let the word and prayer be very precious. But remember, even these may hinder the quiet waiting. The word and prayer is important, but it doesn't outweigh the critical aspect of being still. It, it doesn't outweigh the critical aspect of being, being still. Amen. And that voice that you hear, you will know that it's not your own thoughts and ruminations that's going through your head when you're being still with God. You will know when it's God. You will know, you'll know, you'll know. All right? And I don't have a prescriptive way of telling you how to know that other than the fact that when God is talking to you, you know it's God. You know it. 
Because where you, ever you are in your little prayer closet, your bathroom or bedroom, wherever it is that you go to be alone and pray, that that place will be filled with such stillness and such quiet and such peace. All right? You'll know that God, that you're in God's presence. The activity of the mind in studying the word or giving thoughts in prayer, the activities of our emotions with its desires and hopes and fears, may so engage us that we do not come to the still waiting on the all-glorious one, God. Our whole being is prostrate in silence before him. Okay? You know? You may not have space in your room to just lie down prostrate like that. Okay, but when you're in that still time with God, you're spiritually lying prostrate before Him and will be rewarded. If you continue to practice, you will discover that being still before God grows on you. And not only does it grow on you, but it grows you. You will find that you are growing. You see? And, and the funny thing about it is that when you finish that quiet time with God and you're so energized and you open that door and you walk out wherever you are the word of God said there's such a confidence that you feel you feel that confidence you can conquer the world you can walk walk out that front door and get in your car and drive and realize that you're not going to be worried about traffic you're not going to be worried about getting trapped by school buses which kind of drives me nuts, but you know, you know. But but you you you'll leave with such a, such a confidence because you've been in the presence of God. Okay, a season of time of silent worship will bring a peace and a rest that not only gives blessings in a prayer, but all day long. You want your day to go really well? Start off by spending some time with God. Does that mean that you may have to get up a little bit earlier? Yeah, it does. Okay, yeah, it does. Possibly. But the interesting thing is that how quickly. We don't mind getting up earlier if your boss says, for the next two weeks, I need you to come in an hour early. You may grumble a little bit, but you get up earlier, don't you? (laughs) Okay? But when it comes down to God, how quickly do we do that? Amen? Or how easily do we do that? As Lamentations said, it is good that a man should quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Yes, it is good. The quietness is the confession of our meekness. It will not be done with all of our willing, with all of our thinking and praying. We must receive it from God. You can't think your way into being one with God or to being still before God. It is the confession of our trust that our God will, in his time, come to our help. The quiet resting in him alone. It is a confession of our desire to sink into our nothingness and to let him work and reveal himself. All right? Okay? And you think about that for a minute. Think about that. It's just me becoming nothing before God. All right? Think about the vastness of the creation. Do let us be still and wait quietly. In daily life, let there be in the soul that is waiting for the great God to do his wondrous work, a quiet reverence, an abiding, watching against too deep involvement with the world. See, and the world will want to get us so involved so easily. Then your whole character will come to bear the beautiful experience, being still and quietly waiting for the presence of God. Amen? It's something that you just need to want to do, you know? So out of all the many sermons that you've heard from this pulpit, I say to you today that this is one that you really, really, really need to think about because it's one that can change the, the trajectory of your life, possibly. Amen? If there are things that you're searching for, things that you're hoping for, you know, 
things that, that, that the Word of God talks about, you know. Um, some of the things to, to this book uh, are, are, are so important. I mean, you know, I, I actually know people that can recite this to you, chapter and verse from Genesis to Revelation. But when it comes down to talking to them about the deep spiritual things of God, they are, 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 are spiritually maltreated. They don't know because they have not talked with God or have not been close enough to God to have that deep Holy Spirit revelation. You know, um, I can stand up here and talk to you all day long. I can read to you all day long from this Bible, but it's the Holy Spirit that does the teaching. All right? Every word that was said here this morning has gone into your ears and has gone into your spirit. Now, what you do with it and what you let Holy Spirit do with it is, is, is entirely up to you. Amen? I've done my part. <laughs> I've done my part. I've delivered what God wanted me to deliver. And now you need to take this information and run with it. And run with it. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I hope this... This uh, message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.